our creatives team, aren't they awesome? I mean, <laughs> what? What? I'm like, I'm, I'm so blessed. I'm like, okay, Lord, you knew exactly what you were doing when you were putting this together, right? I mean, we got great worship. Uh, we got great creatives. And uh, now we just got to find a good pastor. And then you guys will be good to go. <laughs> well, if you guys have your Bibles, we're going to obviously jump in to one of the Gospels. Actually, we're going to be jumping into a couple of the different Gospels. And I'm really excited to be able to um, to have my first Easter Sunday as a lead pastor at a church um, hopefully you guys are excited to be here. Thank you guys if you guys are visiting for the first time. Um, this will be one of many services that we'll be having here in this auditorium. We will not be here next week, so don't get too excited. Um, but uh, but <clears throat> there will be more upcoming on the website. So if you guys don't know, our website is liftedchurch.org. However, we are under construction, so I will tell you what's happening next week. Next week, we are taking the opportunity because we believe... Part of Lifted's mission, part of the vision, and if you haven't had a chance to read the vision, you should, you should, uh, take an opportunity to look at that. And if you want the, if you want to be able to see the vision, um, outside of the website because it's down right now, let me know and I'll make sure I get it over to you. It's easy, really easy to do if you actually fill out a card today and put it in the offering. Um, we'll be able to have your contact information and I can just get that out to everybody. But part of the vision of Lifted Church is to be integrated with a community of churches. That it's not just us operating on our own. We don't want to operate in a silo. We want to be part of a greater work, right? That greater work is getting the gospel out to others so that others might be able to receive it. And if we can, through synergy, come together with other churches and make that happen, we want to be able to do that. So part of that vision, part of that mission is actually going out and seeing what other churches are doing and what can we do to be able to bring some of the great wisdom that God's given to other churches into our church. So next week, we're going to have an opportunity to go out to Hillsong in L.A., and uh, and everybody's invited. Everybody's welcome. If you want to come, come and talk to me or somebody with a badge after service today, and we'll make sure you get plugged in to be able to have the opportunity to go as well. It's going to be a great experience. So there will not be church for lifted service outside of going to Hillsong. But we really encourage you guys, if you can make it out, you should come out and see what God's doing through other churches as well. Amen? All right. So with that, I just wanted to encourage you guys in that. We have a lot of other really cool rad stuff coming up. Um, we have uh, the This Is For You campaign coming up. We're going to be at Sylvan Park doing a barbecue. Um, that's coming up right around the corner. Um, and then you guys saw the, women, saw the women's conference, guys. Look, we have spots for 100 women, right? 100 women, and guess what? Guess how much it costs? Nothing. It's free, right? So if you want to go, if you want to go, women, you should want to go. It's going to be just awesome. There's going to be like some kind of fit vessels thing where they're going to be like dancing and stuff. And there's, we have a guest speaker. We're flying in from, from Texas. You guys maybe got to see her the other day, Debbie Hornsby. She's a really cool speaker. Um, just outgoing. She has a great testimony. She's planning on sharing that. So I encourage you guys to be at that. It's free, free, free. Oh, and, and I heard, I hear. There's a great chef that's going to be making food. I hear, I hear, I hear, I hear, I heard that he's going to be making omelets, made-to-order omelets, that's right. And I hear, just through the grapevine, that he's also going to be making fajitas for lunch. So guys, no, you can't come. Girls, yes, you can. And uh, and it's completely free, and it's at a hotel right down the street. We're renting the conference space and all that. It's free, guys. I can't explain to you enough. Invite people out. Go. It's going to be awesome. So, 
Some of you guys are okay. Okay, Pastor Sean, that's enough announcements. You're right, it is. It's Easter Sunday. We should be excited about the Word. We should be excited about why we're here today. So if you guys would, open your Bibles up to Luke 23. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have, Lord. Lord, what a tremendous day to be able to open up your Word, Lord, and just glean upon what your son did for us on the cross, Lord, and, and most importantly, the fact that he was resurrected, God. The fact that, that he bore our sins, Lord, so that we could have eternal life, Lord, so that, so that you could give us, Lord, the grace, Lord, that, that, that you so wanted to give, Lord, because you are so loving and so awesome. So, Lord, it's, it's, uh, it's with that in remembrance, Lord, that we come before your throne today, Lord, and, and dive into your word so that you can reveal to us some of the mysteries, Lord, and some of the, the insights, the wisdom, Lord, that we long for. Let I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me, Lord, every word that you want spoken, Lord, and let it fall upon ears that would hear, Lord, and hearts that would be open. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to give you guys a couple statistics from Easter. Each American will spend an estimated $140.62 on Easter. Yeah. 180 million eggs are purchased for dyeing and decorating. 89% of chocolate bunny eaters go for the ears first. That's important to know. Six minutes is how long it takes to make a Peeps marshmallow chick. How many of you guys love Peeps marshmallow chicks? It's, it's like a love-hate relationship. Some people love them, other people like, they're disgusting. They're just gross, right? I'm not going to eat them. $16.4 billion was spent on Easter in 2015. And 50.8% of Americans plan to attend church today. And so for some of you guys, this is your first day in church in a long time. For some of you guys, you guys are like, it's Easter, I gotta go to church, you know? I go to church on Easter and Christmas. Those are my holidays. I go to church. And so it's a great opportunity for us to be able to glean in, to lean into, um, what the Lord is speaking throughout the gospels here. It's interesting. When we look at the depiction of Jesus dying on the cross, we look at it from really four different angles. You guys can appreciate camera angles, right? Right? Guys, especially, right? Come on, you guys are with me. Let me, let me just give you an illustration. Football games, okay? Right? You just had a play happen, right? And you're like, oh, that was a touchdown, you know, and, and you're like arguing, everybody's arguing, they're like, yeah, no, that was a touch, that wasn't a touchdown, everybody's arguing, and all of a sudden, Wisdom gets bestowed upon you. And you see the multiple camera angles coming at slow speed, fast speed, and you're like, see, I was right! And the other guy's like, no! I hate multiple camera angles. I hate the fact that we could slow things down. Well, I think that as I go through, as I read through the different Gospels here, I think about the fact that each of the folks here, the authors, they tell a very different story, yet the same story altogether. And it's an amazing thing that we get to see here. And this morning, we're going to talk about the doctor's account. We're going to talk about Luke's account. Now, how many of you guys ever watched Dr. Oz? Dr. Oz? Nobody? The doctor's? Everybody's like, I work during the day. I can't watch that. <laughs> the thing about doctors is you have to appreciate doctors. When you go to the doctor, you want them to tell you what's wrong, right? 
And usually, usually they're pretty good at telling you what's wrong because why they studied for a long time and they have a wealth of knowledge. They absorb things and they're able to deliver them. And I like to think of the same thing of Luke here as we open up Luke and, and the way that Luke bestows the message, bestows the reoccurrence of what happened on the cross. That as he divulges it, he, he gives us detail that maybe only a doctor would give. So if you're in Luke 23, the very first thing, the message of today, by the way, is his heart, your heart. The very first thing we're going to be talking about is his heart. Luke 23, would you guys join me in verse 26? As they led him astray, they see Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. There was a, a famous uh, French architect in 1870, um, Charles de Fleury, who determined after much research that Jesus' cross weighed approximately about 165 pounds, and, and it was about three or four meters high, and, and had a cross beam of about two meters, which is about 10 by 7. 165 pounds, I think, you know, that's about one and a half Thomases, my son. You know, and I think that's pretty heavy. You know, Thomas is pretty heavy, dead weight. You know, I don't know that I could, I could carry one and a half Thomases after being, you know, scourged in the back by a whip and, 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 and being just bleeding profusely. I don't know that I could carry, I don't even know that I could carry a one and a half Thomases anyways, let alone being really messed up. And so luckily, this, this guy, Simon from Cyrene, well, not luckily for him, but it's, it's funny to me because it says, who was on his way in from the country. This poor guy. Hey, you! Come carry this cross. And he gets the cross thrown upon him, and, and, and he's going to start to carry it. He carried it behind Jesus. And a large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves, for your children. For the time will come when you will say, blessed are the barren women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills cover us. For if men do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when the tree is dry? And two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. You know, um, the way that the way that Jesus handles things is always astonishing to me. The very first thing I think about as I'm reading through this is is he automatically doesn't want anybody to feel for him. He wants it to feel for themselves. If you just look at daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, weep for yourselves and for your children. Because he's talking about a day, a day to come, a day during the end times where it's not going to be easy. See, we have it real easy today. We do. And I talked about this a while back. I said, you know, when, when it comes to social media, right, we think, oh my gosh, my life's falling apart when somebody persecutes you because you said something about Jesus. 
In fact, I wonder how many of us actually shared, I'm going to go to church today. Do you want to go to church with me? But Jesus says, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves. Because the time is coming. A time where it's going to become really difficult. A time when, when it's not going to be easy anymore. And you're going to be like, to the mountains, fall on me. Cover us up to the hills. And it's not going to happen. But then the other thing that blows my mind about Jesus is He says this in verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Now, you guys have read that portion of Scripture. You guys probably have it highlighted. You probably have it underlined. You probably have annotations next to it, right? But I want you guys to imagine with me, because many of you guys have probably done this before. I know I have. You wake up in the middle of the night, and the lights are all off. And you probably have to go to the bathroom or something. And you get up and you're going to go to the bathroom. And as you're fumbling around, sure enough, you hit your toe on the edge of the bed. And you guys go right there. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. 80% of the people in the room have done it. And all of a sudden, you're crippled. You fall to the ground. You're like, ah, I'm dying. And it feels like you're having a heart attack. And all you had done was hit your toe and you say a bunch of words that you probably shouldn't say why because you're a christian and immediately well not immediately but probably the next day because we know when you hit your toe it hurts for at least five to six hours sometimes even the next day depending on if you hit it hard enough and you say lord i'm sorry for what i said last night because you know that really hurt And can you imagine what Jesus is going through? He's hanging on the cross. Guys, he didn't stub his toe. He's hanging on the cross. In fact, we went to a service uh, at Sandals where where uh, where they were describing what happens and 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 when they drive the nails through your wrists, right? That that it causes this increasing pain and and as as the the person that's on the cross tries to pull themselves up, it it like pushes into a nerve and that nerve just thrives down to the whole body and it's just it's so painful just that part and all jesus is concerned about he's not he doesn't say lord this hurts so bad father this hurts so bad father i don't know if i can handle this pain father i don't know if i can go through this no he says father forgive them they don't know what they're doing It blows my mind. Does anybody else mind blown by this? Like, this is his heart. This is the heart of Jesus. He stays true no matter what. Even when he's going through the worst pain ever, he still stays true to his nature. Turn with me to Matthew 27. Everybody must have electronic Bibles, because I don't hear a lot of Bibles flipping. Matthew 27, starting in verse 41. It gets really real here to me. Verse 41, In the same way the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. 
He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants. For he said, I am the Son of God. And in the same way, mark this up, do something with it. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. In the King James Version, it says, they reviled him. They criticized him. They attacked him. They, they condemned him. Now, I'm not an English major, and it's ironic that we're in this building today because if you guys don't know, this building is called the Hall of Letters. The Hall of Letters. This is the English department, if you will. I'm not an English professor, but I do know this. When it says robbers, what is that? Plural. Would you guys agree with me? Does anybody disagree that when it says robbers, that that's not plural? That's plural, right? So we know that both robbers heaped insults on him. They reviled him. They were upset with him. They said, you know, if you're the son of God, come on, let's go. Let's do this. Get us out of here. Let's all just escape the scene. But Luke, he, uh, he has a little bit more to add to this. Luke 23, starting in verse 40. Actually, let's back up to 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise. It's amazing, right? We read to Matthew, thank goodness we have Luke's version too. Because <laughs> if we would have just read Matthew's version, if we would have just sent, seen from that point of view, we would have said, man, both those robbers, they were jerks to Jesus. But we have Luke's account as well, and Luke's account says, hey, look, hey, look, yeah, it's true that he was heaping insults on him, but, but really the gist of it is, is that he was, he was recognizing Jesus as the Son of God. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've, I've been, I've been picked on in my lifetime. I've had a hard time in my lifetime. In fact, I shared with you guys a while back that, that, um, I had this, this issue with my nose. It was, I, I had a very large nose. Very, very large nose. And luckily God healed me of that. <laughs> I, I, I struggled with that and, 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 and people always made fun of me. They gave me a hard time and, and, and I, I remember how I used to come back to people. And let me tell you this, it wasn't, it wasn't, I forgive you. It was more like, I really want to knock your lights out. It was more like, it was more like, I wish that I have an entourage of like gangsters with me right now so we could just beat you to a pulp. You see, I think that we react a lot differently to circumstances than what Jesus, how Jesus reacted to his circumstances. I think that we handle things differently, but Christ gives us this great example. In fact, turn me over to 1 Peter. First Peter. First Peter 2. Verse 23. 
It says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. You guys all know who Alec Baldwin is, right? Alec Baldwin? Man, that guy, he's, he's like so patient, right? He doesn't, he doesn't flip out at all. Some of you guys are like, yeah, right, okay. Some of you guys are like, I don't know what Pastor Sean's talking about right now. Who is Alec Baldwin? He's an actor, okay, and uh, been in several movies. I think Backdraft, one of them, pretty sure. Um, but, uh, but this guy, he doesn't like when people take pictures of him. In fact, one time he was out getting a marriage license, and as he was getting his marriage license, there was a photographer there, like, kind of crouched out. You know, he was taking pictures of him, and he just comes up and just punches him in his face. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. It's awesome. If, if, if a lot of us, if a lot of us were in Jesus' shoes, come on, let's be honest, we would probably have punched somebody in their face. But no, but no, he didn't. First Peter tells us that they hurled insults at him, but he did not even retaliate when he suffered. He didn't, he didn't worry about it. He wasn't concerned about it. It was okay because he was there to serve a purpose. And that purpose was the reason why we're able to gather here today. But it keeps getting real. It's, it doesn't just stop there. In fact, the story gets even better. In Luke 23, 47, it says, The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this is a righteous man. Luke 23:47. And when all the people had gathered to witness the sight, saw that what took place, they beat their breasts and they went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. You see, the centurion, he came into the place where he was like, wow, this has got to be the Son of God because of everything he just saw. Because if you saw somebody dying on the cross for your sins, right, proclaiming to be the Son of God, just sitting there, taking it, not saying anything rude, not mean, not you idiots, that hurts. Or be careful. This This is really painful. No, he didn't say any of that. In fact, he just took it and loved on him. But Matthew's account gets even more real. Some of you guys are like, okay, I see we're going between Matthew and Luke. We are. You're right. Matthew 27. Verse 54, it says, When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. It gets really real, really fast. And I'm asking you, what do you guys think about that? What do you do about that? You're the satyrian. You just crucified the Son of God. You realize at this moment, this is the Son of God. And what do you do? Oh my gosh, what did I do? 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 Oh my gosh. You guys ever have one of those moments? Where you do something and you're like, what did I just do? Why did I do that? And you have major regrets. And you're trying to figure out how you can go back and fix it. But this was the heart of Jesus that he would take these things. And I wonder, 
I wonder, I wonder where our heart's at. Where is your heart at? Turn me over to John. John 20. I love this portion of Scripture. and uh, You know, it's uh, poor Thomas. You know, he got the name Thomas. He got the name Thomas not because of the Scripture. He got the name Thomas because my son was lucky enough to have his dad and his grandpa have their middle names be Thomas. And I was like, okay, we're going with Thomas. Thomas, that's it. But at the same time, at the same time, the, we find Thomas here in the scripture and poor Thomas, he doesn't like, he doesn't get the, the same like scenario that the rest of the disciples get. He gets a completely different scenario. All the other disciples, they got to see Jesus firsthand and they're coming back and they're telling Thomas about it. It's like, Thomas is like, shut up! You didn't see Jesus? I won't, I won't believe it until I see it myself. Some of you guys have been in that situation before, right? Where, where, you know, somebody tells you about something and you're like, no way. No way. Like, I remember Alec, you know, uh, he told me a while back, he ate like 50 cheeseburgers at McDonald's or something ridiculous. And, and he said, he said, I, I was able to get through it all. And I'm like, no way. No way that happened. I gotta see it. I still haven't seen it, but I gotta see it. We go through this, we go through these things where we have to see things. But guys, I'm here to tell you that if your heart is in the right place and you receive it without seeing it, you're blessed. That's what the Bible tells us. You're blessed. So where's your heart at? John 20, 24. Now Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came, poor guy. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. They're excited. They're ecstatic, man. Jesus was just crucified, and they just saw Jesus there, live in the flesh in front of them. They're excited because everything is true. It's come full. It's come wrapped around. And they come to Thomas, and they say, check it out. We've seen the Lord. We're so excited. But Thomas is a killjoy. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. This dude is serious. He doesn't just say, I want to see Jesus. He says, I want to, I want to touch the holes. I want to, I want to feel it. I want to, I want to be able to experience this. I'm not going to believe it until I get to experience it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. So Thomas has been dealing with this for a while. And you know when people are trying to convince you of things? Like, like, like if I was to say to Alec, Alec, I don't believe that you ate all those cheeseburgers. Alec would be like, for a week, he'd be like, dude, I ate all those cheeseburgers. I promise I did. I promise I ate them. And I'm like, no, I don't believe it. Come on, man, look, this is exactly how it went down. I was, I was playing baseball all day long. I was really hungry. I was really starving and I, and I had to go eat and I, and I ordered a bunch of cheeseburgers and I ate the cheeseburgers and I'm like, ah, I don't believe it. 
oh, come on. And for a week, you can imagine the going back and forth, and the disciples are like, Thomas, I'm telling you, we saw Jesus. I'm so excited about this. And Thomas is like, nope. Nope, don't believe it. Told you. Got to touch the holes. Got to touch them. Got to touch the side. Got to... Got to see it. I don't believe it until I see it. And the disciples are like, yeah. And a week goes by. And a week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. And through the doors, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. You know, if you're Thomas, I'd be like, uh, 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 uh. And then, you know, you know, the other disciples are back there. I told you. I told you. I've been telling you for a week, but you decide you don't want to listen. I told you, Thomas. And Thomas is like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And you know, you know, I imagine, I imagine that he feels this big. I imagine he feels really small. And Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. Then Jesus told him this, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, as uh, as Jesus was hanging on the cross, Jesus quoted several sec- several sections of Scripture. And Levi Lescott said this. I thought it was really interesting because I thought it really exposes our heart. He says, Scripture in your heart will give you comfort in your grief. See, the first thing is, is that we have to believe. The first thing is that we absolutely have to believe that Jesus is Lord. In order to have salvation, in order to take salvation, you have to believe that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and he rose from the grave, and that's the salvation truth. That's the message. But even more than that, you should feel obligated. You should feel, you should feel desirous to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to eat up the scripture that God's given us here in the word of God, to be able to deposit that in your heart. Because let me tell you this, because Jesus did that. And because when Jesus was going through grief, he had scripture in his heart and it got it through him. See, Jesus was able to take that and he was able to use it. He was able to take it and use it to be able to give him comfort during his time of grief. When we're, when we're going through a tough time, you know, I think we're, we're really closed off to the miraculous. But Jesus, He wants to know, God wants to know where your heart is. Where is your heart today? You know, where do you stand with the Lord? You know, we just looked through the fact that Jesus revealed the very intricacies of His heart, the fact that He was true from A to Z. And I wonder if we're true too. I wonder if we recognize that we need the saving grace of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Psalms 139 verses 23 through 24 says this. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Some of you guys are like, I don't like that. I don't like that. I'm just going to strike out, search me, O God, and know my heart. Because I don't want God to know my heart. And not only that, but I don't want him to see if there's any offensive way in me. 
And I certainly don't want him to lead me in the way everlasting because you know what that means to me? That means that God's going to require something from me and I don't know that I want to live for God. I don't know that I want to change anything that I do. You know, Jesus did a lot of amazing things here on the earth before he was even crucified. He did a lot of miraculous things. And you know all he asked for, all he desires in return is that you accept his gift. That's all he's looking for is that you accept his gift. The reason why I wanted to reflect in, in Luke and, and talk about the way the daughters of Jerusalem were referred to by Jesus is because of this. There's coming a time there's coming a time, guys, where it's not going to be easy anymore. We're not going to be able to sit in this room and give each other high fives and say, Welcome to Lifted! No, no. As a matter of fact, we'll have to like dig a hole out in the middle of the desert and meet downstairs somewhere because guess what? People will be killed for their faith. It's going to come a time where it becomes really dry. It's going to come a time where we no longer have the opportunities we have today. And I'm here to tell you today, that today you have an opportunity, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. That's the reason why we're able to be here today, to be able to recognize Him as our Lord and Savior, to have the opportunity to be able to know Him. 